With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ask Haller. We've always looked at the future. Leading the way with our renewable gas bio LPG. Ideal for off-grid homes and businesses, it cuts emissions by up to 90%. So, if like Mary and Mick Gorman and Abby Leakes, you're looking for a cleaner, more efficient way to cook and heat your home, our renewable gas is the right solution for you. And one that protects the planet too. BioLPG. Renewable gas from Calor. Find out more at calorgas.ie. It's 2016, it's the first bloodandmud.com podcast of the year. I am still Lee Calvert of bloodandmud.com. And I'm still Josh Gardner of rubbishyourwatch.com. And we're all thankful for that. We're going to have a bit of a bumper one this time. We're going to ask ourselves a few questions about Eddie Jones, but not, we're not going to go through the squad, but we'll talk about that in more detail. Um, we'll have a review of the, the weekend's action, which confused the hell out of me, I'll be honest. But we'll talk yeah, about that. Lots of stuff. <laughs> we have a very topical You Dirty Get. Oh, yes. Someone else to, to lock inside the, the, the cage of shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about Mr. Farrell goes to Ireland and what that <laughs> means and how that's kind of changed again today, which is strange. Um, yeah. We'll have another massively underrated player that we're going to get our teeth into and talk about. As always, we'll have the shit good ratings that we'll look back over the Christmas and New Year on that. We'll, I want to talk about Wales for a bit. There's some stuff about Saracens, about momentum, and then we'll have a very topical track from the loop. Let's go. So then, Josh, it's 2016. Happy New Year to you. Uh, happy New Year to you too. Happy. To, I get. I'm sick of saying it now. I'll be honest. It's the 12th of. Is yeah. It? Yes, it's the 12th of January as we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, it's that slightly awkward thing where if you see someone that you haven't seen since New Year, like at yeah. any point for the first sort of 15 days of January, you'd be expected to say Happy New Year, and it's like, well, yeah. How long is too long? When do we stop? <laughs> I'd say 15th, that's the cut off. 15th, you reckon? Ideally the 4th, but I mean... <laughs> Ideally yeah. you should never see anybody <laughs> and just live in a hole. That's my plan. Oh, yeah. um, so speaking of New Year's, have you got yourself any resolutions, Josh? Um, I'm, I'm going to try really hard to be a little bit less angry uh, when I watch rugby. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not, exp- I'm not 
expecting miracles, but like just 10, 10% less, maybe, you know, stave off that aneurysm for another couple of years. Yeah, that because you, your missus must be fuming about the amount of pillows you chew through when you're, well, exactly, when you're screaming and biting and into the, them. Yeah, Watching rugby, I add. Sorry, not many. Uh... Yes, yeah, let's not go there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have broken furniture before, so maybe I should just, <laughs> like, just be a little bit calmer. Yeah, I haven't really got any part of a one to do with how many miles I cycle every week, which is the most incredibly <laughs> dull thing in the world, so I won't go into that. Um, but I will ask this question. it's a uh, Six Nations are coming up. There are national teams being announced always. If you were Eddie Jones, or, or any national coach, uh, really, if you want to throw that in, but if you were Eddie Jones, what New Year's resolutions would you be making? Uh, if I was Eddie Jones, I think the first resolution I would make would be to invest in a massive roll of cotton wool and then wrap every winger, lock and loose forward who's English qualified in it until the Six Nations start. Yeah, it's not even, well, James, it? even James Haskell. Well, it came well, <laughs> we see, if I was Eddie Jones, my New Year's resolution would be no Haskell. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not in any way surprised about that. Um, seriously, though, my, my number one resolution would probably be... Um, for Jones and for all the coaches to, to back his philosophy and not to buy into pressure from the RFU and the media and all that shit if the Six Nations doesn't start off entirely to plan. Um, we all know that, that Jones is an experienced coach and he's got a strong head on his shoulders and, and I don't think that he will bow to the pressure but the Six Nations is pretty unique and the English press can exert a pretty unique pressure on any kind of coach especially, especially when you factor in that he's an Aussie so... Mm. Yeah, I mean it's it's. A, I'm not. We're not going to go through today for you out there. We're not going to go through who he might. The, the squad is named tomorrow when this will probably yeah. be out there. You listen to it. We're not going to go through that today, mainly because it's become so interminable. Oh there are God. so many names and so many things dropping in and out, and so many injuries. They tried to do it on Rugby Tonight on BT Sport last night. It was Bayfield who normally anchors these things down mm. really well. He was really struggling. The end. They basically did the forwards and gave up. I don't know if you saw it because it was him and Delalio. It was him and Delalio and George Shooter. And they kept going, what do you think about that, George? And George Hughes looked like had that mildly confused, slightly cross-eyed look on his face for a few. And, and then just, and in the end, he obviously, he obviously got a word in his ear to say, you better fucking move on from this, babes. It's just not working well, at all. Well, that's, but, I mean, it's kind of silly because they can only really pick three players anyway, can't they? So You like can swap some in and out. You can, go up to thir- yeah. you can go up to 39 with injury cover, which you could okay, argue that yeah. actually you could just say, well, given that literally you're going to have to get a big shovel of the injured ones and chuck them out of the way, you can still keep them in the squad. But that's... Yeah, it could be quite different, couldn't it? I think I agree. I think somebody said, I think I saw a headline today, and it was quite an interesting one. I, think, I didn't read the piece, but the headline said, should he be focusing on Murrayfield or should he be focusing on the first game of the World Cup in four years' time? I suppose mm. that's the decision he's going to make, hasn't it, really? Well, that's the thing, and that's kind of a bit of my point, really. I mean, he's, he's kind of been blessed with these injuries in a way because mm. I've already seen quite a few pundits, I mean, Brian Wall's been one of them, um, sort of starting up the narrative that he's, for this tournament at least, he's totally hamstrung before the tournament's even started because like quite a few of the players that he would have picked and potentially started, they've all got injured. I mean, that's bollocks, of course, because... England have more depth and quality than any other nation on earth and there's no excuses but you can see that narrative being put in place and they're the bookies favourites as well don't forget so <laughs> you got 13 to 8 you found them out, didn't you yes honestly I'm nev- you should never I am never surprised or, or more mystified if, if you want to look at some way by the English public's ability to throw money at shit if it's got a red rose on it <laughs> or three lions yeah. on it in a World Cup yes. as well in a football yes. World Cup if it's got well, three it, lions it just... on it they'll throw shit at that as well it exposed the inherent fallacy of ever treating bookies odds as if it's 
some sort of way of predicting how things will actually happen because it's like yeah just because people have piled a load of money on England yeah doing quite well in the Six Nations doesn't mean it's going to happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen but not statistically relevant given the sample that you're working with (laughs) well exactly Um, and yeah the other resolution for Jones I would say is find a seven immediately well, if not sooner. The weird thing is, loads of them seem to have appeared out of nowhere. I know. I mean, I mean funny that, Kvesic's isn't it? been there for a while, but Jack Clifford suddenly yeah, appeared Fraser. from nowhere. Fraser. Rob Shaw's finally playing at six. Yeah. Which everyone uh, now is now saying he should stay as captain because he's playing really bloody well, and there's nobody else who's <laughs> any really, apart from Psycho Hartley, which I'm sure you think is a fucking brilliant idea it's as a Welsh person. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like you say, they're propping. I mean, even the, England had scouts at the Liberty Stadium on Friday night to have a look at Sam Underhill. Yeah, um, uh, Dave, who, David Flatman's backing him strongly. He, he. I mean, I've watched him in a couple of games this season, but um, that was obviously his coming out party on Friday night because it was on Sky and it was, you know, big game against Leinster, and he was phenomenal. He, like Shane Williams said, he looked. He reminded him of David Pocock. I'm not sure what say Shane Williams really knows about overside play, but never mind. Um, is that because he was on a gay rights march in the middle of Swansea? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, purely because I think they'd have to in, uh, bring the special circumstances clause in that they've refused to do with Armitage and all those because he's playing in Wales, and that's technically overseas as far as England's concerned. So, uh, yeah, for the next three or four seasons, at least, it seems like Underhill will be... Not on the English. But he is English radar. qualified, isn't he? Because he was brought. He's through... English. He's English. Yeah, he was full, brought uh... through Bristol, was he? Uh, Gloucester. Gloucester. Sorry. But he, he's, he came. To, he's studying at Cardiff and um, basically signed up with Bridgend, um to basically keep his eye in. And uh, <laughs> the Ospreys <laughs> took a look at him in Bridgend and thought, uh, yeah, he's a bit good. And now he's. I think he's either three or four years signed up, so he'll be Welsh qualified before. His That's the other worry, is isn't it? That's the other worry. I, I can see Gatland. Uh, Gatlin was there on on Friday night as well, perhaps unsurprisingly. And um, given that he'll be Welsh qualified before on residency, before yeah. his contract with the Ospreys is up. Yeah, I but think. it's an easy sell um, for Jones or both of them. Go in and just say, you've got no chance of getting ahead of Warburton. Look at the yeah, shit we've you, got. You've got plenty of chance of getting ahead of that. Well, exactly. But they've got to wait. Who knows what the lay of the land will be in two or three That's years? True. That's the problem. But um, yeah, so they need to find a seven. They need to pick him. And I think they need to stick with him. Because England seem to have had a weird little nervous tick with sevens in the last ten years, where they all seem to get, except for Robshaw, who obviously wasn't really a seven. Mm. Any proper seven seems to get about four games, and then it's dropped for two years, never to be heard from again. So, yes. So that's Eddie Jones's resolutions. That was a very detailed mm-hmm. discussion of where we think it should be going. But I, I bring it back to the point I would like to stress that the main thing you should be focusing on throughout the whole of this is no Haskell. <laughs> so if you're out there important. Eddie no Haskell it, I mean, if just, anything else that's the clear message that's coming just out there's no here. players that have ever released their own app I think. <laughs> that's probably see, a good I think that's a good rule for rule. any team yeah it's a blanket rule never it's, ever just... select a player to release their own app that's a brilliant rule <laughs> like it hmm. so that's that this weekend then what went on this weekend now it took me a little while. Bit of everything. It took yeah. me a while to work out what the fucking hell was going on this weekend, <laughs> because I looked at the I looked at a couple of European fixtures and I thought, oh, it's European week. Oh no, hang on, no, it isn't. This is no. all part of the massive nightmare that was well, not a nightmare, that the the bump back that was caused by the World Cup, yes. and then of course the the actual nightmare of that horrendous attack in Paris and the cancelled games. And this is everybody catching up. Yes. So let's 
if we shall, we'll look at the European games first. There are a few European yes, games. We'll have a look I at them. I think that makes sense. And I'm just going to go through uh, this sort of uh, chronologically, if you like. Yeah. So there you go. So on, on Friday, it was Bordeaux Begler getting hammered by Claremont. Yeah. Meh. Well, Claremont, they looked a lot more like the team that you everybody expected them to be this season, really, particularly in the second half. Um, John Davis was very good again, which is good news for Wales. And Abandonham was very good as well. Um, but Bordeaux, once again, discipline was absolutely shocking and it cost them. If they could keep 15 men on the field for the full 80 minutes, they might actually have gotten out of this pool. But every game, they either get a red or multiple yellow cards or both. And it's just, it's absolutely moronic. Yeah. But, you know, it's only going one way anyway, isn't it? I was a bit, I was completely uninterested in that game, I'll be honest. Yeah, but it was, it, it, yeah, I, I watched the highlights. I, I didn't really, you know, as, as, a, as an Ospreys fan, the most worrying thing about that game now is that Bordeaux are done and dusted. They're already terrible when it comes to discipline. So are they really going to bother against Exeter next week? And, and if Exeter managed to get an away win, that's probably scuppered the Ospreys' chances of getting to the knockout stages. But yeah, other than that, it's a bit of a... Yeah. It was a nothing game, wasn't it? Stav Stav Francais versus Munster. Um I, I I have to go back deep in my memory vault to remember a performance as bad as what Munster put out in that game. It was spectacular. I mean, it's it, in many ways it's quite nice, I think, how the Irish provinces are taking it in turns to embarrass and shame their country round by round in the Champions Cup this year. It's like Leinster had a go of it the first week, then <laughs> Then Ulster had a go, and then fair play to Munster. They have taken the ball and they are running with it, and they don't look like they're going to give it back anytime soon. They were dreadful. I said on the blog earlier in the week, I said, you know, if you'd have said to them on Thursday beforehand, you know, you're going to go to France playing against Stadler, all right, the kind of middling to above average, you know, uh, but they're going to be down to 40 men for a lot of the game. You go, I'll take that, I'll fancy that. And they, yeah, and they were worse when, they went, when he went down to 14. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't like they were even playing Stad's first team either. This was yeah. pretty much a second team. And yet, like, I mean, Munster have had some incredible highs in Europe and, and it's like been the bedrock of everything that they've built as an identity for their club. But this weekend's performance, like, that's the sort of thing that rapidly erodes that that bedrock and that legacy and that legend of what you are. It was astonishing. I mean, they were just awful. I mean, everything, it weren't even, they weren't going lateral. They were going backwards all yeah. the time. And the kicking and, out of Am was, oh well, it was unspeakable. It was so bad. And I mean, I, I feel like we could probably both spend quite a long time talking about the defence, but it was just like the from the first try where Paul Williams like danced through a gap, looking like a bloody Victorian gentleman going for a casual stroll with that massive moustache. Um, you worried and you thought, oh God, they, they haven't been very good in defence this year. This could be a bit of a rough game. But I never thought it would get as bad as it did. Like, mm. I, I've never seen a team like be that poor in defence against 14. It was they weren't They weren't even running. And, no. I, and I remember we said, we said a few weeks ago about Foley and the screaming and shouting and, and, and the way he was after games and he looks fuming, but... It you know as he lost them because yeah. when you're not even running anymore, then there's a serious problem because they weren't miles behind for, a, for, no. for chunks of it. You know it wasn't like it was. But sometimes just, you look at the scoreboard, you think, oh god, it's just too much. I can't be asked. But that wasn't. They that. were totally. They were continually in touch until their complete lack of effort ultimately undid them. Like uh, what is the flanker McAlo's yeah. try? 
That was wonderful, incredible stepping. Now, you see, him, I don't think it was that it was wonderful. In, it, the stepping, but Once the he got free, around the fringes was yeah. utterly inept. This is what annoys me about people who say it's such a wonderful trick. And yet it, it, it is on one level. Once he gets free, the athleticism yeah. and the step and all of that. But actually, it but can't be that wonderful because he should have been fucking banged before he even well, got into his stride. about five guys. <laughs> he he yeah. literally just strolled through four or five tacklers, none of whom even seemed to be bothered. Like, did you see um, Quinlan after the game on Sky? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, he was... Yeah. Flipping heck. He was absolutely tamping. He was right, though, right? Rightly so, yeah. I mean, he's calling for top-to-bottom changes, and it's hard to really argue with that sentiment. Like, Anthony, Let's not forget that Anthony Foley has nailed his colours to the Ian Keatley mast as yes. well. Like, he let JJ Hanrahan leave... So that Keatley could be so the Keatley could span her kicks all over the place. Yeah, and Hanrahan has been very good for Northampton. Yes, and, he has, yeah. And Keatley looks like a man who sometimes doesn't even know where his legs are. So, I mean... So, yeah, what, worst team in red since Kevin Bowling's Wales, I said. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's, that's actually probably fair. <laughs> worst performance in red <laughs> since Ed Miliband. I can yes. keep going on this all night. Yeah. <laughs> Worst performance in red since... No, I'm not going to go World War II. Go well. um, right. Uh, so yeah, that, but it's fine, though, because Andy Farrell's a great redeemer, and he's going to... Um, yeah, advisory role. Fine. I like this. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to this later, I we think. We will, yeah. yes. Stop being shit, is what I said his first piece of advice <laughs> for me, I imagine. Simple. Mm. Will he understand him? But we'll come back to that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pool three, racing hammered Glasgow, and that was a completely inconsequential game anyway. Yeah, I, I seem to need to remind myself most weeks that Glasgow are the reigning Pro 12 champions because. It becomes curiouser and curiouser every week, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. It really does. But yeah, um, dang, I, I think they could go. They looked good at the start of the pool when um, before Carter arrived, but now that he's there and playing 10 you okay. kind of think well he's there yeah, they... being Dan Carter exactly and very much being Dan Carter as well and you just think yeah yeah they, they could go quite deep in this tournament couldn't they yeah. although I did love at the end of the game did you see Carter's post-match interview no um, well Sky were interviewing him with Chris Masseri who I think got man of the match oh. and um, they were like oh could you speak a little bit of French and Carter was like yes and said something incredibly basic in French and then they turned to Chris Masseri to translate and Masseri was like I ain't got a clue <laughs> it's like you've been playing in France for seven years that was, and you could like that was like that he, David he basically God. he basically sort of said I'm really happy to be playing in, in France and really enjoying my rugby or something to that ilk and yeah. he doesn't even know that well, how have you not picked the lingo up in seven years <laughs> it's not important to him it's clearly not, not relevant. No. That reminds me of a. I don't know if you saw it over Christmas. I started watching that David Beckham documentary for the love of the oh, game. No, I didn't he watch was travelling around the world playing in, you know, war zones and Manchester. Mm. And um and you said war zones. <laughs> and he um and he was he went to Argentina and he was chatting with some Argentinian lads in a playground and his Spanish, mm. Beckham Spanish, was appalling. He kept like he said about three incredibly basic things. I just kept switching back to English. He was like, "You were at Madrid oh for about eight years." I know. Gareth Bale's the same. You look at Gareth Bale interviews and you just think, "Yeah, you have not really learned the lingo there, have you?" Mate? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, oh, we digress there. So that was that. I know. Uh, on the the Sunday then, now this is where it really started getting tasty, wasn't it? You had mm-hmm. 
on the Sunday, we had Oyenar 23, Ulster 24, which was quite the most remarkable game. What a game that was. I mean, a couple of weeks ago... How many you... Ulster fans thought, fuck this, and turn the telly off at half time? <laughs> exactly. But a couple of weeks ago, you asked me what on earth had happened to Nicky Robinson, and clearly he was just waiting for the opportunity to get on Sky Sports to remind everyone what a fantastic player he was. 13 <laughs> yeah. points. They were 23-7 up when he went off, and then the fucking wheels came off. Coincidence? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So, uh, and, but yeah, I mean, and, and Ulster, game. Ulster were, were rescued by, well, they dropped Pino and Jackson, didn't they? and then Jackson and him came back on. And Jackson in yeah. particular did an unbelievable job. It, yeah, How it, shit it, must Oyanar be if you can I have know. your game completely turned around like that by Paddy? I mean, he's a decent player, Paddy Jackson. I'm not, you know, yes. I don't want to... A ma- magnificent kick to win it as well. You've got to yeah. give it to him. Yeah, I've got like... to give it to him and, 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 and all the Ulster fans. And they've gone to France now and they just keep winning. In yeah. France, in circumstances not... I mean, this is remar- This is particularly ridiculous. But yes. even the other circumstances of the winning are fairly amazing. They keep having tight games that they keep winning in France. Yeah. It's a really... It's sort of like the opposite of all Welsh teams in France. And wasps. It? Welsh teams and wasps, yeah. <laughs> but um, i got I got to say, though, like, Derry Morris's commentating at the end of their game was just a bit of an embarrassment, really. Like, it was hugely exciting... I don't blame him for enjoying it because I was too. But he audibly cheered when Jackson's kick went over, and then audibly cheered when the scrum went against the head to win the game. And it's like, yeah, you can be excited without conveying the fact that you really clearly want Ulster to win and have this massive comeback. Yeah. It's just like he did it. Oh, he, did, sake, he did a man. jiffy. He did, he properly did a jiffy. And was it's it, like, Jim, it's my favourite just... jiffy one is that one. Give it <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's the... <laughs> Yeah. But like it's not like it's not even like he's got a dog in that fight. He's not an Ulsterman. It was just he got really carried away. It's weird, and, isn't it? Yeah, it was a great game though. But really there's, great there's game. a Rick in Oyanar's personality when you're basically, you know, having the shit beat out of you by a bloke who looks like the pre evil conversion Chucky doll. <laughs> something you know you, you know that you're, yeah. you haven't got things the stomach for it turned, you know? exactly things have not turned out well there have they but fair play to Ulster not, I really, I mean, I'm taking a piss now but nothing Absolutely. but respect it was I mean remarkable remarkable game and then Toulon Bath Bath finally put in a decent performance yes I mean it was good time for George Ford to have his best game of the season with Quinn's uh, beating Saris on the weekend as well so uh uh, yeah, Bath were good. The attacking game was noticeably better, I thought. Like forwards are much better, and the forwards and the, the and scrum they, actually they varied, sort of held together. Sort and they they varied their patterns, their angles. They got in good positions, and and they managed to get the inside ball game working again. Um, they just couldn't get through the Toulon defence, which is. And they nearly scored I mean, that interception try. Yes, course. which I kind of think was. I I don't think it was forward. No, I think is that it just was me? Under. I, I thought I can understand why it was given but if but you look at it he went at... to catch it he went backwards out of his hands then of course yeah. it kind of went forward I think it was backwards out of his hands yeah I it, I can see why he gave it but I think with the benefit of hindsight that looked legit I'm surprised me. more people didn't kick off people were quite quiet about it I thought yeah no I think when the ball sort of spills like that I think people kind of just a bit like meh but um, yeah part of me thinks that Bath suddenly looked good again because they were playing in the south of France as opposed to in the pissing rain for the first time this season but um, Toulon have been shit this year let's not uh, yeah they were terrible yeah I mean really I was are. I was praying for Bath to win if that, that try got in because then Toulon would be staring down the shitty end barrel and going out I know which I'm would be hilarious it would have been so good Bujalal would... I mean did you hear Bujalal comparing <laughs> Quade Cooper to Pate after the game yeah, with Johnny Wilkinson, when you've had, yeah. was he? It's not nice to have. It's you can't compare pate with foie gras. gras to pate. Yeah, 
Which is entirely fair enough because we all know Quake. Which just makes me think that he used to force feed Johnny Wilkinson with a tube down his throat for yeah. the four years that he was there. Yeah. That's what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah, foie gras all day long. Why do you think he, he <laughs> developed a rosy complexion? I'd forgotten again. I don't know why I keep forgetting this. How good Lobe is. Yeah, God, he God, was, he was amazing, everywhere. Wasn't he? Absolutely like, I everywhere. I know he's like seven hundred years old, but <laughs> yeah. like quite why the Argentine Super Rugby franchise haven't done everything in their power to get him to come back and be the captain of their Super Rugby team, I don't know. Because like I'm sure that Los Jaguares or whatever they're gonna be called yeah. is are gonna be a good side, but they could be a amazing side with the leadership and the the sheer quality of that guy at seven, like so that was the fixtures then in Europe and uh, looking at the pools very quickly before we go into the next mm. round and we'll talk about the fixtures for this weekend at the end but uh, Saracens are through in pool one uh, Claremont what's happening with Ospreys and Claremont do you think? It's very I mean on paper Claremont are going to turn up and smash them yeah. but Claremont have not travelled very well this season they they were dog shit against Exeter so I mean who knows and the Ospreys did rest pretty much all of their important players except for bigger oh getting your oh Friday getting your night. excuses in early I see before we discuss the Pro 12 <laughs> later on <laughs> let me just let the word go forth from here that Ospreys yes. rested all of their decent players in the weekend they did though <laughs> um, but yeah um, so the Ospreys will be fresh. They'll hopefully not have too many more injuries. And I, I don't know. It could go either way. But yeah, that pool is, is still mm. far too far too close to the tail. Like Exeter could win. Anybody but, but Bordeaux basically can, can win that Rassinger pool. going through quite comfortably. Yes, they are. Leicester Stade Francais is a type probably Leicester, you would think. I'd imagine Leicester, but... It could go either way. It could, and then Wasps Salon. Bath could still do it, but they'd have to. That's the, that's everything, everything would have to go in their favour Incre- greatly. Incredibly well for them, but yeah. But it'd be amazing if they could turn around. That'd be a way to kickstart the season, wouldn't it? Certainly would. So that was European. Uh, we'll have a look at the fixtures in a bit more detail at the end. That was European stuff from this weekend. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Pro 12 and the Aviva Premiership a bit later on. Let's take a break from the kind of topical stuff well a little break from the topical stuff and let's let's move mm. on to another inductee into the dirty get tub <laughs> of shame this is a topical one in this sense and that it's a south african flanker who will be coming to these shores very soon and it's it will. and it's right i can is it skulk or shulk in in my head it's shulk but i'm i'm not a south african I could well be pronouncing Any it South Africans out there, tweet at Blood yes. and Mud and please give me a phonetic explanation of how it's meant to be said. <laughs> I do apologise for getting it wrong. So we just call him Burger for the... Burger. Yeah, but well, that might get confusing yes. because we might think we mean the other one. Oh, yeah. Well, funny enough, we might know that because his dad was called Shulk. Skulk. Oh, yeah. He's Skulk. called Skulk. And his son's yeah. called Skulk. So straight, so straight away, I don't like him. No. Because I, I hate all that sort of dynastic name-giving <laughs> thing. Schalkberger the third, technically. Then, well, well, who knows how many there were? Because if, if this well, yeah, keeps going, it could point. go right back to God knows when. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the inductee into the Dirty Get Hall of Fame this week is Schalkberger. Yes. Now I, <laughs> I put on, I put on our, our the Blood and Mud Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash Blood and Mud. Um, uh, I put on there that just when you think you couldn't dislike Saracens anymore, they go yeah. and sign this arsehole I felt exactly the same. It's like they, they've just 
really gone out of their way to make themselves that little bit more likable, haven't they? The funny thing was that a guy commented on it then. I can't, he said, he said, whatever you might think of uh, Burger, that wording is uh, completely unjustified. And I said, well, is it justified if you think he's an arsehole? Because that's basically why I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then he said, then he accused me of being a footballer, which, as you know, in rugby terms, that cuts well, deep. That cuts well, deep. That's cut you deep. Uh, right. So yeah, Berger. Why is he in the You Dirty Get Hold of Fame? I ask you, as well. First of all, he looks like a, a, a roided up Ron Howard. Absolutely. Which is enough to throw yeah. you in there, anyway. Mm-hmm. He's been yellow carded five times in an international career, which I think is joint top. Really? I think it is. Yeah. Um. He nearly took off uh, Junior Polu's head in Rugby World Cup 2007. He did. Stayed yeah. on the field, but kept, but then got banned on being cited. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did an impression of a sort of Victorian ophthalmologist on Luke, <laughs> on, on Luke Fitzgerald in 2009 Ugh. by removing his eyes, trying to. Stayed on the field, of course. Of course he did. And he got a yellow card for it, didn't he? He did get a yellow card. Then he got cited again and banned for eight, eight weeks, didn't he? Yes, people said it should have been but didn't they say on review that they could only when they looked at it again on his appeal that he did bring his hand in contact with his face but they couldn't guarantee it was going anywhere near the eyes basically I think they said that they couldn't find clear proof that his actions were deliberate and that he was deliberately attempting to hook or gouge the eye he was just guilty of making reckless contact with the yeah. eye area, yeah. which is an absolute load of shit. Yeah, because we haven't invented a brain probe that can go back in time, <laughs> therefore we can't prove what his intent was. Um, yeah. But then, the funny thing about that, I was reminded today when looking at it again, was what de Villiers said, Peter, mad, mad Peter de Villiers, mm. afterwards when he said that basically, oh, well, if you're not allowed to do this, then we might as well... What did he say? Well we, wear tutus. Or yeah. wear tutus and do the ballet, because that's obviously the choice that's before us in the modern yes. rugby world. You yes, either allow either... people to like fish hook people's eyeballs out, or you put tutus on. It's a very it's binary or, choice. It's one or the other. And, and, <laughs> and sadly, as a game, we've all opted for tutus, which is why rugby now looks so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, neither... He's a fantastic player. Let's not. Yeah, I know. And I know he he's really, been through like, all was, that. He was terrible, horrible injury stuff, and he has, and, and he was magnificent at the World yeah. Cup. And I, I don't like. I kind of find it hard to like the whole meningitis thing and all that is horrible. Yeah. But I'm still annoyed about the fact that he claimed his innocence and refused to apologise afterwards because it's mate, you were banged to fucking rights. Yeah, it was discreet. Yeah. And, and actually, that's some of the stuff he's been caught for. Remember. Yeah, I mean, exactly. generally speaking, he just exudes an aura of evil menace in most games, which is good. <laughs> I mean, you want somebody like that, the enforcer Absolutely. type thing, but it's just, it's you know, he's still an arsehole. Yeah, he maintains that he plays the you know the game on the on on the edge, but on the right side of it, and that's demonstrably not true. And anybody who says that, you know, for a fact, they're lying. Well, People yeah, who exactly. say things like that—that's the immediate <laughs> giveaway that they are absolutely filthy bastards, isn't it? Exactly. And that's why all South Africans say it. All the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was that that particularly the Fitzgerald. Feel free to get in touch to... with Josh Gardner at Rugby yes, Shirtwatch South yes. Africans if you have any views on that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was it was an ugly moment in an ugly game because that whole game was basically a street fight, and there could have well, been that whole tour was, wasn't it? Yes, um, but it, it, you know, refereeing leniency arguably went a long way to deciding that whole series because. He should have been red carded for that. And I think about that game often because I th- how many games do you know when you lose an entire front row 
and all the yeah. centres to injury, yeah. not just I'm knackered or I've twisted yeah. something. Like just getting and, and just the com- physicality of it. And most and most of those injuries were in some way illegal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. Uh, uh, yeah. The other thing about Berger, which I didn't realize, is he was actually banned in 2008 for openly abusing a touch judge. Really? While no, he was I on the, yeah, yeah, while he for the Stormers, yeah, he was, he was, yeah. he openly abused a touch judge in 2008. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, we've all wanted to, but well, yeah, well, we all do, but not when we're playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, know, from... Rules is rules. This is so not. This is not now. This is rugby. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So actually, Wayne, or you know, coming back from meningitis. On the one hand, return from meningitis, good player. Massive. Return from yeah. cerv- uh, spinal injury, etc., etc. On the other hand, everything we've just said. Yeah. So therefore, oh, he's going in the whole. Of, he's got to go he's in. He's going in the dirty get all of Shane. I'm sorry, Shulk. Shulk. Welcome to Saracens next year, where you'll make them even more dislikable. <laughs> you should be proud of that, really. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about Saris again in a little bit. So there you go. That's your dirty get for this week, Scott Berger. Anybody fancies uh, defending Scott Berger and calling me a footballer or unjustifiable mm. in my mm. in, in my uh, views? They can get in touch with at Blood and Mud or on the Facebook page. Oh, you can get in touch with Josh at Rugby Shirtwatch, is that right? On Yes, at Rugby Shirtwatch, simple as that. Okie doke, right, so this is the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge with me, Lee Calver, and with Josh Gardner over there. Hello. <laughs> well done. Again. You can get this uh, on SoundCloud, it's also on iTunes. If you do listen to it on iTunes, please drop us a review and give us a start rating. It'd be nice. South Africans out there, you can obviously get a huge class action campaign going to cause terrible because we just Maybe, maybe if you're heroes. South African, maybe don't rate it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, but please do rate, do listen, do yeah. give us a star rating because yeah, it all absolutely. helps. Thanks very much. Right then, let's go back to some game reviews and let's have a yes. look at the Aviva Premiership from last mm. weekend uh, are you in a position to do that Josh? I am yeah. indeed let's do that right then so the Aviva Premiership last week round 9 it was uh, Bath versus Sale was postponed mm-hmm. uh, Exeter Chiefs beat Gloucester and nobody was surprised nope at all Exeter got quite yep. a few injuries though so they're doing well to carry this through yeah I mean losing losing Noel's just another Kicking the balls for them, isn't it really? But they, they're somehow managing to. Did you see that Austin Healy said that he's England's long-term answer at seven? Really? Yeah. Did you not see that? Did you miss that one? No. Was he? <laughs> he was ne- he joke? Joking, no. He was. was he he was absolutely genuine. He said he, wow. he did a kind of future England fifteen in the Telegraph. That was those horrible Telegraph clickbait ones where you have to click through a photo of everybody. You know what I mean? It's like fifteen photos, yeah, the yeah, explanation, yeah. which really pisses me off. But um, yeah, he said that the future number seven solution is for England is Jack Noel, Noel with it, with his skill set. I am. There's nothing to say to that, is there? I don't. I genuinely, don't <laughs> I genuinely know what to say I am, for the first <laughs> time in my life, I am lost for words. That is. I. I. He said a lot of stupid <laughs> things in his time. Has Austin Healy, but Christ on a bike, that is. Up there, yeah, brilliant idea. Let's do it. I, 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 as a Welsh fan, am all for Jack Noel playing seven for England for ages. So, um, yeah, twelve and a half thousand, twelve thousand six hundred people at Sandy Park for that. And I know, yeah, it's not that far for Gloucester to go, but even so, they do keep turning them out out there. They absolutely do, yeah. yeah and an extra are, are absolutely a force at home. They're not, they're not very good on the roads, and, and they had a bit of a mixed bag over the the festive period. But they, you know, at home, you you wouldn't bet against them against pretty much anybody. 
you wouldn't. Uh, right, the next then. Harlequins finally beating Saracens <laughs> in the pissing well, rain. Fine, finally, finally good to an extent has prevailed over evil. <laughs> Did you? And I got to thinking about Saracens last week. And have you seen the film Apocalypto? Uh, yes, the Mel Gibson. The film. Mel Gibson, you know, everyone's favorite midget anti-Semite. You know, when it, when he's not calling police yes. office female police officers sugar tits, exactly, and being anti-Semitic and ranting, he's actually <laughs> has flashes of brilliance as Mel Gibson. And one of which was Apocalypse. There's a point to this, I promise. One of which was Apocalypto, which was a, a film mm. about Amerindians culture yes, yes. and so on and so forth there's a scene in it where they, they there's a the, the main tribe have captured all the kind of weak ones because it hasn't <laughs> rained for weeks it hasn't, you know I'm going this, with this. Yeah. and what they're doing is they've got a line of these slaves they've captured walking up this pyramid and they all have to put their head on the block and get their head chopped off as a sacrifice <laughs> to the sun god <laughs> to make it rain that was how I felt about everybody who played against Saracens this year they were basically in... walking up the steps of the pyramid to gently have their heads <laughs> lopped off while Saracens wave their arms in the air at the sun. That's kind of, that's what it that had is, become. That is basically it, except on a plastic pitch. Um, <laughs> Where it's a bugger to get uh, the blood out. <laughs> it's fine, it just, it, it hoses down. It's totally cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, so, but yeah, they've, yeah, they've finally mean, been beaten. It, yeah. it still took a moment of madness and self-destruction from Reese Gill for them to actually lose, though, and getting Cruis injured as well, obviously, that wasn't a good thing yeah but um yeah i mean saracens are still the best team in england and probably the best team in europe too but uh it was it was quite nice to see them not win for a change to be honest and harlequins are playing well actually it's i've noticed that they kind of it's ever since jamie roberts arrived from his little (laughs) oxbridge jolly like they haven't lost since yeah and I'm not saying like he's been good since he turned yeah. up for them, but like, um, is it a leadership thing? Saying, is it a presence? I don't thing? know. I wonder if it's a presence thing. I wonder if it's a just having a massive world class twelve who smashes anything that comes near him and falls over, quite, and then falls over, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, Jack Clifford looks a really exciting player. Yeah, and although it did amuse me that. That Nick Easter, when asked about him, was like, uh, "I think he's more of a six or eight than a seven A lot of like, people brilliant. are saying this. A lot of people are saying he's more of a six and a half, like in Rob Shaw's model. He looks too yeah. pacey and just too generally exactly. dynamic to me to be a six. But you and know. it's just like brilliant. We've got another Quinn's open side that who's being touted for England that we can't make our fucking minds up about what position he's going to play. Well, he won't be playing six, will he? Because Rob Shaw's playing six. Well, yeah, but uh, he's, he's got of caught Jones's eye and and. Yeah, I would. I'd be very surprised if he wouldn't be in the England squad. To be honest, Danny Kerr looks on good form, and uh, he does. But I still think he's, you know, that haircut's a giveaway for a start. Well, he's, he's one decision away from balls and everything up, <laughs> eh, Danny Kerr. <laughs> and and and, and was ever that he's a, he's, a, he's basically a, a curate's egg on legs. Exactly, and there are far <laughs> too many other informed scrum halves in the Premiership for me for him to be trusted with the England number nine shirt, as electric as he could be. Yeah. Like, he's not as electric as Joe Simpson and Joe Simpson doesn't make as many bad decisions as he does true. Lovely. he so. did that lovely line out move to score for the first try yes. though where they yeah, he did. James Hall will try to take somebody's head off you see that yeah. bit well classic standard James Hall will I, did, I, I have a problem with the swinging arm thing because everybody swings an arm into a tackle in many ways yes it's about whether you swing anything else to go with it that's the and whether you aim for somebody's head I suppose yeah yeah it's like if you it was like that that Osprey's uh, Bordeaux Begler game 
couple of weeks ago. You know, yeah, that wasn't that, that wasn't really a that's... tackle though. I mean, let's 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 draw a distinction here. That wasn't really a exactly. tackle. It was the greatest thing ever seen on a rugby field. It was amazingly <laughs> stupid. I loved it. But, um, yeah, but so, it wasn't a tackle. No, and and, and that's, I think that there does need to be applied a little bit of common sense in that regard. But yeah, I'd never imagine James Horwell doing anything vaguely skullduggerous. So, uh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, so that was that. But yeah, it was good. To see, I think it's good. I don't think it'll make much difference to how the league pans out or anything like that. But no, it's good, good to see them. Not at all. And it's good for Quinns, I suppose. It, it keeps them. Yeah, yeah. If you're, the, in, if you're into that sort of hands. thing. Um, yeah. Leicester Tigers 30, Northampton Saints 27. Proper game of rugby, this. Cracking game, this. Really good. I mean, given that how bad Leicester were the week before against Saris, like, massive result for them in, in mm. a variety of ways. And, and just a really, really good, really entertaining pulsating game of rugby like I feel no... sorry for Paul Hills having his try scratched yeah. off for that high tackle yeah. by Burrell what I love about I love it when forwards props in particular break out because yes. it's not it's not even about the speed they go at he was surprisingly quite quick Paul Hill it's yeah. how awful they look running well they've got no form at all not at all so yeah they are the most uh, worst looking well, thing you've ever seen in the NFL they've got the 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 sort of term for it is big man with a football and I and it's just and there's a joy there is a he looked look un, like, look like undeniable joy when you give a big man space and you just say go on fat lad run for it he looked like a donkey doing a cartwheel <laughs> repeatedly to the line and yet nobody could catch him that was a no no that's the best part is when somehow but yeah um, Leicester were great uh, Owen Williams was, was fantastic I I bust his I jaw now though yeah, he's busted his jaw, but God, he's comfortable. I don't understand why they're maintaining sort of experimenting with Burns because for me, Owen Williams is comfortably the best fly off Leicester have, and they look much better with him. Um, but yeah, uh, Saints are very good. George North, uh, centre wasn't he? Was in centre yeah. and scored a lovely try, and he's now scored two tries in three games, which is a a welcome. Yeah. Sign that maybe he's starting to get. Well, he came back in form. George Ford came back in form. We'll talk about Johnny Sexton a bit later on. You know, there were some mm-hmm. signs that the class is starting to show. Exactly. And maybe it was just I'm knackered after the World Cup. You know, I think sometimes yeah. you can, you can. It's been two solid years of rugby, hasn't it? Really, for everybody. You know, That's on the for thing that. when you factor in Lions tours and stuff like that, you can blame them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I my biggest problem with Northampton was that yes, I don't think that Luther Burrell thing was a was a penalty no, I think he, he, I think he hit him across the chest and it just crept up a bit and yeah it was very harsh to me it's sure yeah you get frustrated with it really they're ruining the game in some ways but I don't want to go down that road but I think that Northampton can't have too much ground to complain I've said this this week already their fringe defence was minging yeah, Ben well, Young was slow yeah, with the pass Young's anyway that, he kept picking the ball yeah. up. He was, at one point he ran one way around the rook turned around and came back and nobody banged him and yeah. you can't you can't and expect to moan about not winning the game when you can't Get your fringe right. Yeah, and, and my favourite quote of the weekend, um, which was Ben Youngs asking uh, the ref if he can go quick, and <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben, your brother's having a fight. <laughs> That's great. Isn't it? <laughs> which is, is, is Wayne Barnes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. It was. And uh, yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, what a game! Fantastic game. London Irish Top beat Newcastle. Games. I think that's Newcastle knackered now. Well, yeah. I mean, the table is sort of. It's, they're not completely out of it yet, are they? Because they've still got a, they've got Irish at home to come, haven't they? And yeah, they're, they're only a point or so behind. But yeah, it's but not been a good. I mean, their basics look bad. 
the restarts were yeah. appalling stuff. There's no excuse for that. You know, actual, <laughs> actual dynamic running moves and not having the confidence to get them right, I can understand. But yeah. not actually being able to catch a restart is unforgivable at second team level yeah, no, in Division just... 4 Southeast. You know, it's just. Yeah, it's, it's the try that the Irish scored from the restart was just like, yeah. are you boys even bothered anymore, really? I mean. Speaking of, did you see Topsy Ojo? God, he looked. He looked, he looked like an doing... aging scar performer from the seventies. Yes, well, he? <laughs> he's basically Desmond Decker <laughs> in a tight shirt, yes. properly um, bald and graying. And I, I was yes. like, that can't be Topsy Ojo. And I was like, oh my god, it is. I mean, he. I remember when I Topsy Ojo. I thought should be starting for England. This was quite a while he ago. He did start a couple, didn't he? Yeah, and he never really nailed his place down. But God, he has been around forever and ever. I think ever. he's thirty-six now. Christ, is he that old? I think old? he is, God. yeah. I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong out there, but I think he's 36. It's amazing he's not sat on the wing of the Zimmer frame, really. I mean, and then credit to him still playing at premiership level at this time. I think but... he fumbled the ball a couple of times, I think, because he couldn't get his readers yeah. on in time. You know what I mean? Was... <laughs> <laughs> he finds it hard to focus on. And on, on the, the other side, of course, you had Andy Goode rolling off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked, thought David Bellamy looked, had come on. It, it looked like somebody had got like a, a joint of ham and stuck it in a rugby shirt that was five sizes too small for it. It was, it was someone had a really good Christmas and it was Andy Good. I mean, like, are there really? Is he really the only outside half that's available at short term? He can't. I, mean, I know he he's like experienced. Can't you, know, be. you know, I know he's a, a, a fat enigma, and he always has been really because he, he, you know, he doesn't look like he should be anywhere near a professional field, should he? Of course not. But he looks. I mean, but, but it's doubly bad now. I remember, I remember yes, watching a game well, with him once where he caught and he, he grabbed an interception and burst through, and and the number eight on the opposite side turned round. <laughs> And still caught him within about seven yards. On the turn, a forward caught him within about eight strides. It was absolutely hilarious. Well, I mean, it's, it looked like somebody had, you know, given me a terrible haircut and sent me out there. On, it, it, have you have I mean, you got fingerless gloves? Yeah, you could be starting next week if you got fingerless that's gloves. That's the th- that is the thing. His return has now brought fingerless gloves back to rugby. It's union doubled them after we thought after we thought it was finally gone. After, that's him and Brock James. Live- yes. Of course, yeah, Brock James as well. I, I made that mistake. I thought they're gone now. And somebody said, no, Brock yeah. James is like, bastard. Oh, yeah. God. It doesn't make no fucking difference. <laughs> they're fingerless. Anyway, yeah. Well, anyway, if you can't catch the ball without a sticky glove on, then what? You shouldn't be allowed to play, <laughs> should you? Exactly. I remember it was a, it was very on vogue with the Scottish backs for a while. They were, they they were of their time, gloves. like nose plasters in football. Do you remember yes. those? Yes, yeah. Anyway. Mm. And then Waspy, finally, Waspy Worcester. Now, Wasp, from, uh, that, all, from that all, the, all the chitter-chat of how good they are, and have been, they, they are still in sixth, and they're still hmm. nine points off the top four. And also, they didn't like they beat Worcester in the end quite comfortably, but they did not have it all their own way at all. Um, like, they, they were, I think, what was 13-0 down at one point in the first half? Well, yeah, and, and And Elliot Daly threw a, a really ugly interception. Well, to, he's, yeah, he's turning shit just in time. For his England call-up, as I predicted. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, but they, just, I think they just they need they just need to stop getting carried away. It's like they've got the probably the best set of backs in the Premiership, quite comfortably. But I mean, over Christmas they've got a proper schooling at home from Sarries on Boxing Day, where they looked very naive in bad conditions. Oh. Um, 
against Sale as well. Yeah. They, they didn't seem to play the conditions very well. And then they really had to I mean, dig deep to pull out a comeback win at home against Worcester. Sale's like. a hard place to go and win at. It is. I think yeah. mainly because just looking at their stadium leaves you with all hope for the human race leaving your body. Because <laughs> just a well, glance yeah. at their stadium incurs a kind of despondency in a person. <laughs> That you know, clinical depression is usually what causes it. it it's, is... based, it's like going to Coventry, but then wasps should be used to that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no wonder. Yeah, to be honest, it must be hard to summon up a bit of enthusiasm when they have to look at Coventry all the time God. now and then got a place. I used, like... I lived in Coventry Did for you a year, really? and it was the most depressing year of my life. Uh, no offense to anyone who lives in Coventry, but you live there, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> and that's your fault um... for living there. We've all got <laughs> exactly. a choice. Walsgrave Road, massive. Um, yes. So, but you think like a grizzled prop like Die Young would get that when conditions are a bit shit, it's time to stick it up the jumper and play sensible, yeah. like pragmatic rugby. But like they, they only seem in the similar way to sort of Bath last season, and they're slightly getting found out this season. Oh. They only seem to really know one way to play. And you wonder if that might catch him out a little bit come the sharp end. But they were a bit of a surprise package this year, so I don't think... True. I mean, if they, if they can just make sure they get into Europe. The yeah. proper Europe, I mean. Not the yeah. one where you have to fly to Russia. What's that all about? <laughs> Connor. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Um, and, and Worcester will be fuming to not even get a bonus point out of that. Dean Ryan must be absolutely yeah. heartbroken. So that that was that from, from the Premiership. Looking at the table as it mm. stands now, um, very quickly down the bottom of Newcastle it's between Newcastle and London Irish down there I can't see Worcester getting pulled into that and no. the top are Saracens Exeter Harlequin, Exeter Harlequins and Leicester Tigers and then there's a seven point you might hear the word insolvency and think companies but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone you could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due you're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text Get Help to 50015. The ISI, together, will get you back on track. There are those who fear change, those who welcome change, and those who drive change. At Nissan, we've always believed in driving change. Now, the all-new Nissan Qashqai is here. With the style and tech you want and the power you need, it's the future-proof family car. So, are you ready for change? The all-new Nissan Qashqai, electrified with mild hybrid power. Book a test drive today at nissan.ie. Nissan, innovation that excites. Gap to Northampton. I can't see the top four changing, you know. No, I think that's pretty much it now. Like seven points is not un- no unsustainable, especially when you factor in the Six Nations always throws up some pretty weird mm. results because of international call ups and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, the only team that I can see really potentially dropping out of that is maybe Quinns. Yeah, they're a few because... injuries away from going into a pretty threadbare yeah, cupboard. Yeah, they'll they? have to they'll have to make do without quite a few players in the Six Nations and all that stuff but right yeah I don't know so that was it's, the it's uh, that's the Aviva Premiership I think it'll probably stay about the same yeah, but an entertaining right. weekend it must be said we often say the Premiership Definitely. is a shit league we're well, not shit but it's not the most interesting league to watch sometimes mm. but it, I think this year that's not been the case really no 
Right, so that was that. So let's have a talk about uh, Mr. Farrell Goes to Ireland. Now, yes. my view, regardless... The thing that's annoyed me most about this is the reaction to it. Yeah. By the media, it's like, well, what did you fucking expect? He's a professional coach who just walked out of an international job where he did a reasonable enough job as a defence coach. Yeah. And then, funnily enough, another international team quite fancy taking him on. You know, what, what, yeah, why is like, that unusual and why is that something we're all getting up in arms it's about? Like, yes, he got sacked by England, but of all England's many problems under Lancaster, as it turned out, like the defensive system was rarely one of them. Like the players who were occasionally asked to implement it, yes. But, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they did. But the okay, system is yeah. sound. They were unpicked yeah, by Australia, but that's not... They yeah. weren't the first people to have that happen to them, were they? No, exactly. And, and, and arguably, most of those things were down to individuals blowing assignments as opposed to the system itself. So, yeah, of course... Ireland have been getting diminishing returns with the rugby league choke tackle defensive tactics for the last few seasons. It worked very well when they first did it, but teams have gradually got smart to it. And because it was a bit of a faddy, fluky thing, um, they need something to shake it up and make it a bit more consistent and perhaps a bit more traditional. It's, so it's, Farrell will yeah, certainly do it's, that. The kind of invented soap operas that piss me right off. You know, it's this kind of oh, yeah. he's, after, he's going to be master of defence that beats his own son and. Stuff like that. Well, anyway, a lot of people said he'll probably find a way of selecting Owen for Ireland by next year. Anyway, so. <laughs> his name is Owen. You know. <laughs> I mean, they can change the spelling of that, and they can. And it's Farrell. Let's be honest. That's as Irish yep. as they come. And they did play for Wigan St. Patrick's in rugby league. But good, well, strong Catholic Wigan family. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's all on. Uh, like, but I just yeah, I agree with you. I don't see what the the fuss is. To be quite honest, it's like. Yeah, there have been some things said about the influence that he exerted over things when that weren't in his purview when he was with England. But Joe Schmidt is not Stuart Lancaster. Yeah, and there is no way that he's going See, to be allowed. There's, to... there's two ways you can look at that. I think there's the, you can look at it that well, he was getting above himself and he shouldn't have been doing that. But I think people sometimes forget what Andy Farrell has achieved. Yeah, he played for Wigan when they were when they were like the best team in the world at the age of seventeen. He captained his country at 21 and he was a massive presence throughout all of that. He then moved seamlessly into coaching. He's had no problem with his self-belief. I imagine he's dealt in his career with quite a few people in his playing days where he just went, you're not up to it, mate. And yeah, I'm going to I tell you. Know more than and you. I'm going to yeah. take over here. And I think, I wouldn't be surprised if you look at it from that. I, don't, I think he maybe thought it was his responsibility to do something because I get the impression that Lancaster was flaking a lot of the time, it did seem that way. Flaking with decision making, wasn't sure, and at least, and I think if the, even if it's even true, of course, we don't know what's true. But if it's true, if Farrell did come out and say, right, this is what we're doing, I think it would have been because Lancaster couldn't make his mind up. Quite possibly, and I mean, you you could judge him on that because obviously, whoever decided to back Sam Burgess to the hilt, that thing hasn't panned out yeah. and all that stuff. But he's obviously made mistakes, but. That's not going to be his job now. I mean, you have to. You only have to look at what the likes of Bod and Alan Quinlan and you know. I remember a few of the Welsh players after the Lions tour. They were, you know, talking about his qualities as a defensive coach and a motivator. And you know, yeah, who wouldn't want to have that? Yeah, uh, Anthony Foley probably right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that is the other wrinkle because obviously, yeah, today he's been brought in as a you know, what is the ridiculous term that they've used for advisory role fire putter outer in chief <laughs> um, lifeboat manor on Titanic um, yeah that that I, just smacks of well 
we've got no fucking idea what we're supposed to do here. Yeah. And he's he's and coming he's over anyway. So he's, he's yeah, he's technically contracted to the IRFU soon anyway, so fuck it, we might as well give him a run at Munster and <laughs> yeah. see if he can turn because, his absolute yeah, shambles. Because let's around. be honest, it can't get any worse. Well, exactly. I mean, it's interesting though, doesn't it? It sets a precedent. He's 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 got two jobs in Irish rugby in a week, so by that pace, by the end of the season, I expect him to be head coach of all four provinces, um, and then by the end of the summer, he'll probably be president of the IRFU. <laughs> Andy Farrell is the new wave of English imperialism in Ireland. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> I'm oh, kidding. I'm yeah. really kidding. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so kidding. Um, yeah, so that's we don't think it's a big deal, Andy Farrell, I think is it's fair no, to say I to really say don't. and everyone needs to calm the fuck down. That's basically what we're saying. Basically, yes. Um before we move on to look at the Pro Twelve, let's have a look because there's a mm-hmm. Pro Twelve connection here. Let's have a look at this week's uh entry into the massively underrated uh list. Yes. Where we let's. like to talk about players who maybe don't get talked about as much as they should or Reputation's not as good. We and, and this week uh, we're picking one of your favourites, uh, Josh. So maybe you yes, would indeed. like to kick off with uh, my choice, Mister Ian Goff. Uh, yes, Ian Goff. Um, he's one of those players that um, I think they get taken for granted by fans because they're completely and utterly without any hint of, as Justin Marshall would say, razzle dazzle. <laughs> you know, they they just get on with the business of being very effective at what they do very quietly without ever drawing any attention, but. He was quite simply one of the most physical players that Wales have produced in the modern era. Uh, he was an uncompromising, teak-tough lock who was a perfect foil for Alan Jones at both Wales and the Ospreys. And yeah, I it's think he's a fantastic player. It's interesting you mention the Ospreys because for me, in my mind, thinking back now, even though I think he made his debut in '99, I think it was '98. '98. It was that, that horrible. Was that the '96 11, the shaft in it, South yes. Africa '96 11 year, and and he played pretty much regularly from then on not first choice yeah. all the time but regularly and I never noticed him until 2008 there's a, there's a kind of before Sean Edwards goff yes and an after Sean think, Edwards goff he was he was always on the fringes and and he, he's obviously had a very interesting career because his first club was in Canada which still can, I still haven't had a, an entirely satisfactory explanation <laughs> of yet but um, yeah he was at the at, at Newport at the Dragons at Ponty and and he he sort of drifted in and out of the Wales system but yeah then when and he was part of the Grand Slam in 2005 team but he wasn't starting a, was he yeah. he was a sub no but then once Edwards came along you could just sort of see the glint in his maniacal little eyes when <laughs> he looked at Ian Goff and thought yes I can I can do good things with this yes and he just turned him into an absolute monster of a defender I remember the the game away to Ireland um, in the 2008 Grand Slam. He just tackled everything that moved in a green shirt that day, and he just with mm. genuine spite. My memory of him, and you've got to love that. Through, yeah, because he was always a physical specimen. But what Edwards and the Ospreys as well, I suppose that's what he did. Is is that's when he moved to the Ospreys in 08, didn't he? Yes, um, that's credit to them for creating to the physicality the endurance because he just didn't stop did he that's no, what that, that's the biggest thing you know I just on, remember him constantly my vision of him is constantly dragging himself up off the floor in like the 72nd yes. minute he was always on the floor getting up and yeah. going again that's the kind of yeah. image that sticks in and, my head really and just still hitting yeah. people back with just he was a, it was yeah if, I think you, you get the feeling if Edwards could go into a lab 
and produce a big <laughs> bastard that didn't stop, it would have been him. You know, a big, strong, exactly. physical, horrible get and who you, does not stop. And you can see that, like, Edwards kind of misses someone like that because they've kind of tried to bring in, since his, he sort of gradually wound down and, and then eventually retired, like, they've been looking for somebody to emulate that role because it was Bradley Davis for a while and then they sort of looked to Lou Reed and... And in the end, they've kind of settled with Charteris, who's a different mm. kind of defender. But you can sort of, and, and an excellent defender, you can sort of see that deep down, Sean Edwards just wants a six a foot big, five, horrible six bastard, foot wide yeah. blue. Yeah, I, 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 I bumped into him once in in Cardiff. Fitting in enough, it was the yes, it, it was the first time I'd ever been to a Nando's. So of course they were in there, um, <laughs> being rugby players. And and like he's not the tallest person I've ever seen. He's, he's not six the four, tallest I think. person I. Yeah, but I was just blown away. He's like one of those people who just was massive in every exudes physicality. Delalio's like yeah, that. I've met Delalio, and he's, he's not the tallest. Delalio's exactly yeah. the same sort of yeah. thing as that. He looks like he was hewn from granite, and everything in the normal world just looks a little bit out of proportion with him. Like he's sort of a BFG or something, slightly crouching into a, a normal person's house to eat chicken. Yeah. Um, I, I was just struck by the notion that if he ever tackled me, I'd probably collapse in on myself like a dying <laughs> star. But a massive bloke and a great player for Wales and a great servant yeah. for the Ospreys. And I think again, and not, we're not saying he's a he's a world beater. It's just it's just one of those ones you think it should yeah. be mentioned a bit more often when these Grand Slams are talked about because I think he was exactly. pinned to it. He was a, good, a massive part of it and two Grand Slams, um, three league titles and an Anglo Welsh Cup with the Ospreys. It's a good return for his career as well. Yeah. So there you go, Ian. If you're listening, which I'm sure you will be, obviously, Indeed. in obviously. Nando's on your headphones. Yeah, if you take time out from your flying, <laughs> which I also love, by the way, he goes flying. He did embroil himself in some hideous domestic abuse scenario at the end of his career, yes, didn't he? Yes, but he did. He got cleared of all. He that. He got cleared of all that, and then his girlfriend married Dane, his ex married Dane Bowers. Dane Bowers, which, which is yeah, the most sealess story ever you've ever told, isn't it? Really, <laughs> it is a little bit. Uh, right, yeah. so let's just very quickly look at the uh, Pro Twelve from the weekend, then, Josh, just to, yes. just to round up this what's is, been going on. I can't find my bit of paper. There it is. One. So yeah, so what do we have this weekend in the Pro Twelve? We had uh, Ospreys uh, hosted Leinster on. What happened in that game, Josh? Remind me. Uh, well, it was. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. I'm still annoyed about it because I think. It was, given that the Ospreys started the season quite so badly um, they really couldn't afford to lose yet another game against an Irish team at home because they've now lost 2-3 of the 4 <laughs> they've lost to all 3 Irish teams they've played at the Liberty Stadium this year which is not very really good who, at all who was that but, player who was who looked like Dan Bigger who was playing <laughs> yeah he wasn't very good no was who was he I've and, not and, seen him he was like the, the fly yeah, half formerly was, known as Dan Bigger was, was playing yeah I mean he, he was. it was kind of like that game against Exeter in the, in the Heineken Cup where all of a sudden he just looked human for the first time in about six months and was missing kicks at goal and, and all sorts and yeah it just went a bit wrong really um, but yeah again like I said I, it sounds like an excuse but it was very obvious from the team selection that they were were really they were looking ahead to Claremont and thinking yeah. we're already and it, racked by injuries we can't afford anymore. And I think you know it was it was nice to give Johnny Sexton a training run to get himself back in form. Well, exactly, he's, he's nice and back in form. Although you know can't say the same about the Leinster back row who got absolutely schooled by young Sam Underhill. Which to bring us I mean, back to our original conversation, yeah, earlier. Yes, exactly. I mean, he was he was everywhere, and and he made Sean O'Brien look incredibly ordinary. So. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's it's a disappointing result, and on on the plus side, I guess it's it's good that yeah that they they kept everything dry. But yeah, not even getting a bonus point at home was was pretty rubbish. Edinburgh beat Benetton, and absolutely nobody cared. Uh, yeah, even Edinburgh players uh, and fans didn't care. <laughs> I imagine. It, it, yeah, I can't tell you anything about that game. I think this is the worry about the pro tour. It's the too many. It's too nothing many nothing games, games man. They really are. Um, um, there's a couple of postponed games, and then Scarlet yep. continue their merry march. They have this kind of binary thing going on where they're completely <clears throat> shit in Europe, and then they come back to the Pro 12. Well, they were completely shit in the Pro 12 as well, because <laughs> this is the first time that they've won a game in fucking ages. They lost, and yet they're still top. Um, How's that happened? Uh, because they started off very, very well to the season, and, and everybody else keeps losing. Absolute- Basically, since we said that they were good in that Heineken yeah. Cup after the Champions Cup game, rather they've been dog shit. And over Christmas, they've been shit. They lost yeah. at home to the Ospreys. They lost away to Cardiff. Um, and they they just and to by a combined margin of three points, by the way, which is an absolute killer. That was but, a killer, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, they 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 looked like they so, were about to really screw it up. We said they, they were really they came good. Back very well. We, we yes. said about four weeks ago, mm-hmm. they went shit for four weeks. And then they've won yeah. this game, so let's yes. test something. Let's. I'm going to say now they look really good again this yeah, weekend. They do look really let's good. see if they go on a four-week losing spree now, and then we I can prove our our theory. Yes, I think they're going to win the whole Pro 12 because I would hate to curse the Scarlets for the rest of the season. Absolutely hate to do it. I can't wait till Reese Patchell's there next year. To, yes, to form the uh, axis of golden justice with a. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of ginger in that team. It's going to be magnificent. And... Liam Williams is on his way back though, isn't he? That is something for him. Yes, yeah. They reckon he might get a game in before the Six Nations. but um... Uh, Yeah, so that was the Pro 12. A couple of postponed games because of the rejigged European Cup. Uh, Nobody missed anything. The table, Scarlet's at the top, followed by Leinster. Benetton at anchor in the bottom, followed by Dragons. Zebra above the Dragons. That's fucking yes, bad, isn't it? Zebra are actually looking quite decent this season. There's no excuse for, for Newport being worse than no, them. Oh, sorry, really Newport Gwent so. being worse than them. They've got they're buggered with injuries. They really are. Like I, I really feel for the Dragons actually because they love they've looked quite good at times and they lost an absolute heartbreaker against the Blues on on Boxing Day. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, that was Patchell, was it? It's Patchell's step up and boom. Patchell exactly, and and but and then against the Ospreys, Dorian Jones who. Looks like they might have finally found a decent sort of club level fly half that can really do the job for him, and he he tore his peck and he's going to be out for ages. So, yeah, they just can't keep their guys fit, and they haven't got enough strength and depth to deal with it. And it's going to be another pretty rough season for them, I think. Yeah, it must be miserable being one of their fans, wasn't it? Really, I think. Yeah, not, not to be patronising. Well, start, start as they live in Newport, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm really pissing people off today. Aren't I, this is like my is it, New Year's resolution. I was always, it? I've always been amazed um, as a person who's lived in Wales for a fair chunk of time in my life that in Wales they do a thing that English people don't do. Right, English people have the North South thing. Okay, you're a Northern mm. monkey, or you're a Southern shandy drinker, and we all have views on that. But nobody exactly. ever says you're from there, therefore you're not English. <laughs> Whereas Wales, the Wales, Wales has this very strange thing that if you're from somewhere, you're not actually yeah. Welsh. I live in I live in northeast Wales, where basically everybody, according to everybody else in Wales, is not Welsh. <laughs> yeah, there is a real, and it's 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 sort of like the the city, like 
joke of Cornish people calling people from Devon Northerners. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like basically the further west you go, like basically everyone to the right of you is Not Welsh. in some way, t- some way tainted by the, the English. By the Anglican influx. influx. Yes. It's very odd. I mean, I, I don't really. Yeah, sorry. It should. I, I, sorry, I digress. There, I've always found that no, quite yeah. interesting. It is very odd. I don't really. They don't, don't kind of really go well. I know it. that's where you're from, and I know you don't speak the language, but you're definitely still Welsh. Nobody's ever kind of philosophical. <laughs> they always go, "No, you're not even actually Welsh." And Newport prompted me because when I lived in Cardiff and surrounds, and we went around places, people often kind of considered Newport and certainly Chepstow. Oof. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> well, because it's basically you know, it's it's the, very close to England, and there's a bit of a <laughs> yes. And some people say that about Cardiff as well. It's just, yeah, it's very silly. Very silly indeed. So anyway, yeah, so that, that was, there was no point to that at all. I just thought it was no. quite interesting. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, while we're talking about Wales, uh, mm. let's talk about, there's a couple of people signed some contracts in Wales this week, hasn't there? Yeah, it's been, it's been a busy old couple of weeks for the WIU in the region as far as contracts go. Um Obviously, we had the disappointment of Falato going off to Bath um, before Christmas, which was a bit of a sort of downer for everybody. But since then, um, Rhys Webb has signed back up with the WIU and the Ospreys. Um, Matthew Morgan's coming back to Wales from Bristol, going to Cardiff. Yeah. And um, if rumours are to be believed, Alan Wynne-Jones is very close to signing on the line with Wales and the Ospreys again as well. And, and it's properly good news for a change because it, it shows to some extent that the dual contract system and Gatner's law is is working in a way like obviously Webb and Alan Wynn would have both been yeah very in demand but it's obviously the the case that them as well as all the other players who sign central contracts can see the value of staying in Wales not just from a financial point of view but from a protecting their bodies and sort of yeah maintaining their Wales position sense and that's kind of the point of it really. Halfpenny can't though well, no, Halfpenny's kind of got a, a bit of a... Well, he's got a pass, hasn't he? <laughs> he has got a pass, exactly, because because his contract basically all had a third-year option built in it already, and because... And he knows he's going to get picked. Yeah, he, he can get picked regardless of where he plays, so he can have another year on too long money and then come back next season and, yeah, you know, he can go to the Scarlet. He's basically giving the Blues a year to get their shit together, I think. I yeah. think if he'd have come back this year it would have been a big ask for him to go to the Scarlets because Liam Williams is there the Ospreys basically said they didn't want him because they have yeah they can't afford him I think basically yeah and he's still not so, fit is he he might as no, well exactly, he might as so. well play not every game in Salon because they want him to play every game in Wales won't they <laughs> yes because he's exactly, such a high yes. quality person in, in a Welsh team not not to cast aspersions against Welsh teams but that's just a fact not at all whereas in, well, in, just, in yeah. Salon he could play half a season and that will be fine yeah, and then he'll play the big games, and he won't have to worry. You know, they'll get Darren Armitage to play the rest. Yeah, frankly. So, yeah, it's it's. I mean, the the fly yeah, in the just to increase the, the bell end quotient in the team. Well, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's and players like Matthew Morgan coming back openly because he wants to enhance his test credentials. That's that's a positive thing as well because it shows that jury's still massively like, out on him for me. Well, I think he's. A, Stunningly talented player. Like, God, his, his pace and his lateral movement is utterly divine. However, I don't think he's a fly-off, and I never have. And it's interesting that Cardiff have said that they've um, they've signed him as a full-back 
and they and Wales and the Blues both see him developing as a fullback going forward. And I think that's probably the best thing for his career, really. There's only two words that come to my mind every time I think of him. Mm-hmm. Oh well, Thomas. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that's not fair. No, it's not. He's much better, but... <laughs> he's, much better def- he's a much better defender than Owen Thomas ever was. And I, th- when I look at him, I've always thought Shane Williams, because I've always thought mm. he, he has a similar, a size and b pace and lateral movement, but he doesn't. He doesn't have the predator's instinct, but he has that similar thing of he's sort of Shane was a, a scrum half that shouldn't have been one. And he's a fly-off that arguably shouldn't be one either. And, yeah, I think fullback is definitely the best place for him going forward. Yeah, so that was a contract thing. One thing I've had, I'm on the WRU's uh, media mailing list. Are you on that list? Oh, yes, my favourite mailing have list. Have you seen the shit that's got... They, they have officially started the massive PR Principality Stadium brain bleach <laughs> this week. Where yes. because uh, what was the email I had the other day? Let me just remind myself of what the uh, it was. It was Mark Taylor's leading the nostalgia. Taylor leads nostalgic <laughs> Principality Stadium campaign. Mark Taylor, the <laughs> Millennium Stadium's debut try scorer, will be the first WIU employee to share his favourite stadium memory with the WIU social media channels as part of a joint campaign with the Principality in the countdown to the launch of the Principality Stadium on the twenty second of January. So it's started now. Yeah. That basically, you know, excuse me, mate. You know, we've put the money in, and you are all going to wank for coins for the next five years. <laughs> You're going to say the words "Principality Stadium" <laughs> over and over and over again until it's. Where, where do you stand on it, actually? Um, part of me, I will. I think I'm always going to call it the Millennium Stadium, regardless. There's there is that, yeah. And there's no getting away from that. But it's not like the Arms Park. It's not like. Twickenham, it's not like the history's Lansdown not the same. You say no, it's, it's it's been in existence since 1999, mm. and and while there has been some fantastic history created in that stadium, and it's, I think it's sad, but I don't think it's as much of a big deal as as for you know Ireland abandoning Lansdowne Road and going to the Aviva, for example. You know, it's go play, that go play in the greenhouse. Yeah, that was more sad for me that they didn't keep the name but yeah okay. I don't know It's the, the Millennium Stadium name has always been slightly silly as well when you think when you actually think about it it's called the Millennium Stadium fair point it's, I think it's it's not yeah. what it changes from it's just I just hate this whole thing yeah it's this I, you I know like it's the... just every, every stadium that's renamed is, is shit the stadium yeah. is, I, the, the name that, is shit compared to what it used to be. The one that really fucks me off, actually, is the uh, BT Sport Murray Field. That is bad. That's like because at least have the bollocks to do it properly. Just call it the BT yeah. Sport Stadium. It's, it's like they realise that the Murray Field name has got more cachet and heritage than they could ever hope to have, so they've just tagged it on the front, and it's like, ah, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, so that pissed me off about, but that just pisses me off generally. You might as well just call it. You might as well yeah. just call it the Wonga Dome or something, or the <laughs> Money Bowl or something. I don't know, but there you go. Well, but you know, we live in. You know, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? Com- is what the WRU yeah, will say. Well, exactly, and and it's more money, more money, and everybody needs more money. Right then, we've not done shit good this week. We haven't. And it's quite a bumper. It's quite shit a bumper shit well, because we, you will know, those of you who listen to this regularly, the four of you out there that do that, uh, will know that we didn't have anything uh, pod over the Christmas period for a combination no. of uh, lackadaisical attitude and gin. Uh, so yes. and and 
and you having the audacity to leave the country as well, by the way. I was going somewhere with know, you know, going somewhere to have fun or something. I know. I'll never do it. Devastating. Again. Uh so we're gonna have a look at uh who who was shit and who was good kind of over the last Christmas New Year period. Yes. Who 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 was good, who was shit? Uh, should, should we start with good? Yeah, go. You know, a weird change. Um my first good nomination for the festive period is Welsh Derbies. And let me say that again, yes, Welsh Derbies. <laughs> because aside from the utter dog shit that was Ospreys versus Dragons, the three other all Welsh Christmas games were absolutely that's superb. Right, that's right up there. That's right up there yeah. with the with, with what did you say in the last pod that was an absolute shocking banger. I think they're missing Paul James in the scrum. Uh, that's right yes. up there with the you'd ever thought you'd say that. But yeah, Welsh yeah, Derbies. Yeah. Things, the thing is, Welsh the Welsh Derbies are... used to be in the old Merit League days. Merit exactly. days. Exactly. Cardiff Ponty was every Thunder Boxing things. Day, wasn't it? Uh, uh, Cardiff Newport was every Boxing wasn't it? Day. Wasn't yeah. I can't remember exactly, but that's the, they were they were an intrinsic part of. Yeah, the it was New Year's like. Eve and and Boxing Day. You'd have the the games and and yeah, they they they've not been great in the last couple of years. Let's be honest, yeah. as as the regions. But this year, three of the the four games were utterly superb competitive nail-biting games and there was passion and quality on show for a change and it was a very long time we can say that and it's a, been a great boost and the turnouts were very good as well like it was a full house at the Arms Park it was a full house at, um, at Parker Scarlet's for the Osprey's Scarlet's Derby mm. it was I think it was a full house at Rodney Parade as well so yeah, yeah can't really fault it and uh, yeah but there was a big crowd at Edinburgh uh, Glasgow as well Yes, which uh, I'll come on to that in shit. This <laughs> one, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anything um, else that was good? Yeah. Uh, forgive me if I'm coming over a little bit 2008 here. <laughs> um, but James Hook has, up until this weekend, has been utterly imperious for Gloucester at 10 over the Christmas period. Like, Careful now. You can, you, can, you can forget that when he's on it, he's borderline unplayable in the 10 jersey because he absolutely can do everything when he sets his mind he to it. He is a remarkable it's just player. Such a shame. Yeah. It's just such a shame he can't do it more consistently which he reminded us against Exeter on the weekend yeah. that, that for every high there will be a low with James Suck with that awful, awful charge down where uh, yeah. yeah, it was just... But but he's he's been so good over the Christmas period and, and Gloucester have been much better for it. It's like all of a sudden you put a good ten in there, and they're actually a decent team. Who'd have thought it? I had um, in in good stuff. I I just had Saracens again, which is very dull. Yeah. But then it it wasn't yeah, it wasn't no. so good. And it's not just the fact they keep winning; they're just so they were just so effective, brutally efficient in in every sense of the word. They're just yeah. yeah and they, and, they, and Jack Clifford impressed me over the the, the yes, whole period. Very, I mean, we mentioned him already, but he is he looks. The last thing you want to do is note somebody down as being decent because the English media are going to go absolutely bananas and it will all fail miserably, yeah. a la Cipriani, a la whoever else you want to talk about, really, because they get terribly overexcited. But that was that was a thing for me. Yes. I've got a shit one, which a lot of people disagree with me on, mm. which was um, on the 27th of December, Harlequins 39, Gloucester 39. Now, people say yes. to me, well, how can that possibly be shit? Because look at it, the score line, the tries, the cheering, the razzmatazz, it's Christmas, 70,000 people, what is wrong with you, you miserable sod? There's just too much farce in a game like that for it to be truly good, from my point of view. I know, I can, I, I, 
I can sort of forgive it because it's for charity and it's supposed to pull in. <laughs> and it's the, Christmas, you miserable sod, yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> well, a little bit. But I, I can see where you're coming from. It's like, it is just a league game. It's not, like, I am a little bit wary of these sort of moments where people try to turn, like, a, a perfectly run-of-the-mill league game into some sort of cup final razzmatazz thing. And it's like, well, it's not. Yeah, because they it's all talked about... Quinn's again. They all talked. It's Quinn's against. Yeah, they all talked about brilliantly. Yeah. Matt Kvesic played in that game, and all England credentials. Just like, well, how can you judge anything from that game? It's a legal. It's a league game with a ridiculous amount of scoring because people, you know, which basically means that a lot of people aren't doing their jobs properly. And how and how yeah. can you think somebody's doing that good at the breakdown when you let that many points in? It doesn't just it, it, it logically yeah. it fails logic. No, just because he he looked decent with ball in hand or whatever, or got some turnovers. It's yeah, it's. It's, it is a slightly crass over the topness, but at the same time, it's for charity. It's for, <laughs> all it's right, for sick all kids, right. Will somebody it. please think of the children? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I've got Go on, shit, then. and uh, it's us, as in me and me, <laughs> right. and our ability to ruin teams and players by saying nice things about we them. Said in nice... this case, Connor. Yes. <laughs> We are fucking kryptonite in that we regard. Are, yeah. we should because stop ever since it. we spent 20 minutes talking about how good they were after they beat Munster, they've lost five of six games, including getting nilled at Leinster, losing at home to Ulster, and they even lost to Newcastle in that time. I mean, of course, one way of looking at it is is that the massively overreach and normal service has been assumed. A little bit uh, assumed, comments, yeah. really, because it was a bit of a, what the fuck are they doing there, doing this? Absolutely, but I, I blame us. Well, we keep doing it, don't we? We really do, and I'm going to carry on doing it. So, if you've got any any out there, if you've got any local teams in a local derby, you want us to yep. say on this podcast, this team looks very good because you want them to yep. go on a massive relegation run, or you want to win the league because <laughs> you want to topple them from the top. And please let us know because we have got the Midas touch of shit, have <laughs> me and Josh. Mm-hmm. We really have. I, I, I level with you. I've got quite a lot of shit to get through. Okay, here, go so. quick. My sec, my second shit. Um, the Ospreys at home everything about them playing at home offensively is dreadful I don't know what's going on there but it makes watching Louis van Gaal's Manchester United look like the Harlem fucking Globetrotters they're just so shit it's the fact that the, like, the, the stadium's so empty as well you can hear everybody yeah, speaking so- and no, that's sort of thing that's shit nobody in the crowd shouts bollocks or knickers or wanker exactly this what an opportunity to get <laughs> I don't know what's going wrong with, with, with fans and the youth of today to be what's honest what's wrong with children today <laughs> god damn it but they just they, the, the, the thing that pisses me off is that they're so they score tries for fun on the road and then they look like they've never actually seen a rugby ball at home and it doesn't make any sense but, it does sound yeah, like playing in a mortuary though maybe that does put you off your stride well, yeah I think it probably does my, the other thing is Leicester's pack against Saracens. Oh God, yeah. Three penalty oh, yeah, tries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three yeah. penalty tries for a Leicester pack. What is going they on? Could have there? had one more as well. Actually, I think the referee bottled one. They could have. They they really could have. Um, Cockerell must have needed like a massive bottle of scotch to like avert aneurysm before watching that game back. I on tweeted the morning. after the first one. I said, "God, I think I, I think I said something. You know, like, wow, Leicester have been pushed over the line. That must be like." James Haskell meeting somebody who's more of a wanker than him, you know, sort of thing. And 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 um, and, and, and then it, okay, it happened two more times, and it could have been more, and and it was yeah, frightening. Yeah, um, Treviso, the whole club, 
I think we should just consign them to the shit pile forever. Do you know when the last time they won a game was? No. February last year. You see, I don't pay. I don't think anybody pays enough attention to them to notice things like this. But it helps to be reminded. I think from time to I, time. I was, I was, I was scrolling through their fixtures the other day, and I was like, "Hang on, hang, no!" In all competitions, they haven't won a game since they bafflingly battered Cardiff forty points to twenty something back in February last year. So they're encroaching on a year since they won a game. They've just sacked their coach. And just what a, a better illustration of the utter pointlessness of Italian teams in the Pro 12 than that. Yeah, we had a bit of a chat about Italian rugby last time. I'm not going to go into it again, but it is yeah. it is, it is no. worrying. Anything else on shit while you're on a roll? Um, oh, uh, Bod anointing Gary Ringrose, um, King of Kings. I mean, his chosen successor <laughs> uh, for Leinster and Ireland. Like, fair enough. He's a real talent, and he's got the tools to be a very good international centre, but he has played less than 10 times for Leinster, and he scored one yeah. try, and all of a sudden, he's going to have to deal with the pressure of being yeah, a he's fucked now, isn't he? Yeah. Because I mean, his name will never be written again now by the media without the man who Byron Diskell said <laughs> was the inheritor of his position. The, exactly. Um, yeah, and I've got one more, but it's slightly controversial. Um, Thomas Waldrum scoring tries all the time. Fucking sick of it. <laughs> he did like, two more the weekend, didn't he? I know. He's he's got a try scoring record that's more akin to like George North than a fat number eight. And it pisses me off because it shouldn't, people yeah. start acting like it matters. And no matter how many times you scores, look at it, you can't figure it out. No, and 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 like it somehow like the try scoring exploits of a number eight are like some fancy alloy wheels that you stuck on a transit van. It's like they're very nice to have. I'm sure, but they don't really have much bearing on the core job that he's there to do. And the fact of the matter is that most of his tries come from the fact that he just happens to be standing at the back of the moor or a back of a ruck. Yes. And like people talk about it like it's some sort of miraculous feat of brilliance that he's scoring all these tries, but he's just they always, he's just the fat lad they, at the back. They, they, they always trot that line out with Nick Easter as well about how he yes. how he uses his experience to score. Well, no, he doesn't. He's just at the back of the ruck. Neil exactly. Back, Neil Back used to do it. To that was his job. You know, he yes. sat in the back of the rock and fell over when when he he saw that yeah. whitewash by his toe. That's basically what he did. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm completely with you on that one. I never quite understand it. Doesn't matter what else he does. Yeah, but look at all the tries he scores. Well, that's no good when he can't yeah. keep up with back play, is it? Or that's no good when exactly. he can't carry for sixty minutes without bloody wheezing. Or basically, everyone laughs when he walks out on the pitch because <laughs> exactly. remember, an English shirt's white. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> and white is not no, slimming. It is not. And some modern rugby shirts are not slimming. That is a bad combination. It is, yeah. but it's the fact that he is. Everything about him is fat. It's mystifying. <laughs> he actually is. It is one of those things like... that you look at it. Like I watched. I caught some NFL at the weekend, and like the tackles in NFL mm. are properly fat. But it's they're because they're not men. supposed to run. That's not their job. They stand no. there and stop people from running past them. They're, they're there to take up space. Yeah, and yeah, and get in the way and be hard to push out of the way. Yeah. You know, I understand that. I don't understand how somebody in mm. a dynamic interval-based game like rugby can be that fat and be a pro. It's <laughs> baffling. It's quite remarkable. I also am getting quite annoyed with the way he does the Thomas the Tank Engine Choo Choo thing whenever he scores a try. Now, like they play the music at Exeter now, don't they? So yeah, you get a load. You get like... loads of people in racist headdress singing Thomas the Tank Engine because <laughs> a fat man's just scored yet another easy try. <laughs> Britain in 2016. <laughs> there, there it is. 
Right. Well, we'll leave that for. We'll leave. There's plenty of that. We always yes. come up with more shit than good, don't we? It's the, always the easiest thing yeah, in the world to do. It's funny that. Always a naysayer, man. Always a naysayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of shit things, and easy to come up with things that are annoying, I want to talk about, I was um, searching for some, I did a piece about um, things that rugby taught us, and I wanted, I wanted a picture of a shower room, just because it was about, mm. there was a thing about showers and the piece that I did, uh, about there's never any hot water at council grounds. And, um, and basically, when I put in, you know, locker room, rugby changing rooms into the Google Images, Two of the first ones that came up were photos of the inside of the Saracens locker room, mm. which, you know, amazingly didn't have a witch dancing around a fire or anything in it, which that was the first thing <laughs> I was quite surprised with. Uh, and, But it's one of those ones, you know, the, the words on the wall thing. When did that become a thing? I think it, every, it was about 10 now. years ago, I think. But Saracens have got, the hilarious thing about Saracens, they've got written on their wall, okay? These, this is what they've got. Humility, work mm-hmm. rate, the extra five percent, which is I don't know who the copywriter is, but seriously, and then discipline and honesty. Now, one that just signed Shelt Burger, I'll let yeah. that hang there. The other thing is, yeah. look at that humility thing. They are the lead. The, I mean, is it me? They're the least they humble not. side I've ever. Of course they are. And the extra five percent, what <laughs> hair product? <laughs> Like, where was the humility when they basically sang their own song over the top of Ulster's song last year as a as, oh, as a prelim video? Where's the humility in stand up for fucking sound? Yeah, and then and a picture of a wolf wandering. And they actually they had actually paid money, <laughs> real wolves. paid money real for wolves. a video of a real wolf walking round to accompany yeah. that. Where's the humility? In they that? got real. They got real wolves into the bloody meeting room, didn't they? At one point, they got actual <laughs> real wolves. No, you had, a, you had a, a picture of it, didn't you, Paul Gustav? Stood there with what real yes. actual wolves <laughs> behind him. It's amazing. Anyway, look forward to that, England fans. Um, but yeah, I just don't get it. Like, do players really play better when they see some like bland motivational words that look like they've been borrowed from those dreadful nineteen eighties posters that they used to put up in office? It always reminds. It's really. It weird. reminds me. I, I used to work. I was a full time union rep at a financial services company in Cardiff years ago, and I used to have to walk across all the buildings. They had about ten floors, you know, to speak to people and stuff like that, and. There were like pension floors and other floors and whatever. Mm. And there was a sales floor. And the minute you walked onto the sales floor, it was like the seventh level of hell for somebody like me because it was yeah. posters and teams had names and there was like big oh, league tables about who was winning. And that that's where that was. All those pictures on the wall, you know, always be yeah. closing and all that. It was just like, oh, it just, it made like, it made me feel, it gave me the boat as you were walking around, you know. Yeah. It's like, how does, like, the worst offender I've seen in rugby for this this sort of like, wall-to-wall motivational nonsense is depressingly for you probably is England under Lancaster yeah. just for volume like when I went to Twickenham last year for the England kit launch it was everywhere not just the changing room it's like every corridor that you were walking down it had like power determination or some other such nonsense on it and then in the dressing room they've got this like this huge like silver disc suspended from the ceiling it's literally about 10 feet across and around the edges is embossed teamwork, respect, enjoyment, discipline, and sportsmanship, like a depressingly motivational <laughs> flying saucer. And I, I don't. On the surface, it just seems like the worst part of corporate be, management bollocks transferred into be, sport I, in the most mundane and rubbish. I bet they got way. loads of enjoyment when Australia were. Well, exactly. Were, 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 you know, puppet fisting us in the, in the last <laughs> exactly. half an hour of it. But, but then. 
part of me is like, well, yeah, it's nonsense. But then it's like, if if it focuses a player's mind before a game or it gets them motivated or fired up, then, well, it's not the end of the world, I guess. It just seems so silly. I think, you know, there are certain things you'd ask yourself. It's, you know, when you think of something that might happen, I suppose I always ask, would Haskell think it's a good idea? And if it's a yes, I, think, <laughs> I probably shouldn't do that then. And this is the I imagine he's got stuff like that on his bathroom mirror. Yeah, you know, you need to get. I, I reckon Paul Gustard like... probably has. I reckon he's got Wolfpack and I all that, and, and like painted on his walls and all of that kind of stuff. I reckon England are going to England fans and players are going to hear the word Wolfpack. It's going to become it's becoming become intolerable. It's already yeah. intolerable for me, but for people who are not as much of an arsehole as me, it's going to become <laughs> even more intolerable as we move forward. See, I'd love to see the actual games. I'd love to see something just for a laugh, which will probably motivate people even more. Just have written on the wall things like, can't really be arsed today. <laughs> you know, bell end. Just loads of marzipan. Yeah. Loads of random words. Head in, this, head, head in the changing room. Yeah, just don't make any sense whatsoever. You know, it's freezing. Thinking about tonight's yeah, tea. It's freezing. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Not up for it. Yeah, it? so it's just it's it's just a yeah, it's a thing that's coming everywhere. I remember when I, I played rugby league at uni and we're going back twenty years now, and one of the lads who was with us, he's still a good friend of mine, and he's actually in, in a, a senior national coaching role now and does a brilliant job to be fair to him. But we um <laughs> He had, he'd been on the books of Bradford Bulls and he mm. came to uni with us and he started putting this stuff up on the wall and he brought a ghetto blaster in once to a game we were playing against the, and, he, and he started and he literally started playing Eye of the Tiger and that's all I can mm. think of when I see these things that somebody's got <laughs> Eye of the Tiger you can't see it in the photo but Eye of the Tiger's probably on you know in the back yeah, I remember because the opposition the came time. in and were pissing themselves laughing because we were like in there with this Eye of the Tiger <laughs> thing and so, I remember our captain went see they're laughing at us lads and one of, one of, the, one of the props went yeah I'm not fucking surprised because you know, it was all just too much but that's become the norm now It's it's it has absolutely become the norm you look at you walk into sort of relatively small club dressing rooms like and you'll see that sort of shit on the wall like and I guess it's it's the trickle down thing that if they see the the pro teams do it they'll see it as a sort of motivational tool or whatever but yeah, yeah it's very odd really well odd. Josh on that that was an absolute monster of a, a, really of a podcast if, if anybody is still on. awake out there you know kudos to you. you you've given it the extra 5% yes you get the uh, gold <laughs> spotters badge of sheer you get the wolf pack badge of absolute <laughs> toss pottery sent to you through, the, through through an email you have to print it off yourself though the um Obviously. Uh, i'm gonna we're gonna finish on the loop as we always do and again i'm gonna stay topical Indeed. and probably incredibly obvious and i might get some people telling me i could have picked a much better track than this but i'm gonna go for uh david bowie has died this week very sad news josh it was indeed deeply tragic i'll be honest i've always liked him and respected him i wasn't that massive a fan I'm not a massive fan, but I respect I, what he does, yeah, and I've got no nothing absolutely. to say against him. But I think he's, he's up fan. there with with Elvis and and Dylan and all Robbie Williams. Pieces. No, and Robbie Williams, obviously. <laughs> um, right. So yeah. So I've got the the loop this week, which we will finish on, is going to be Heroes by David Bowie, because you know for obvious reasons. And, uh, and we'll more. see you next week, where I promise it will be shorter. Although I cannot promise that we won't annoy as many people. Cheers, Josh. No. Take care. Thanks a lot.
This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.